0: Welcome to the Redeemer Church Podcast. Thank you for joining our sermon series in the book of Psalms. Psalms contains incredible truths about God and wisdom for life. Psalms helps us learn how to pray. It teaches us to worship through all the different seasons and emotions of life and how to walk with God daily. We hope these teachings help orient your life to love and worship Christ. Thanks for listening. Good morning. I pastored uh, 30 years, retired from pastoring. I haven't been in the pulpit for 12 years. So we're going to knock the rust off on this first service. And you can come back for the second one. I promise it will be better. (laughs) But I want to give you uh, some update on ministry opportunity. Uh, Hurricane Ida hit South Louisiana. That's where we're from. And uh, it came into that area, hit the coast with 222-mile-per-hour uh, straight winds, and came up through the Homa area, which is about um, an hour west of New Orleans and right on up the state. And there's a little community called Point a P-T-A-U-X, Cajun spelling, C-H-E-I-N, which means in French, dog leg or leg of dog. And so on that little bayou is about 82 homes. Fifty of those homes are lived in by crabbers and shrimpers. They're third and fourth generation fishermen, tough old characters. Well, it decimated that. <coughs> I talked with uh, uh, Redeemer and, and they said, hey, here's, here's some finances, go feed them. So we did. We went down for a couple of weeks. We fed over 3,700 meals. Uh, to those folks, many of which their homes were completely destroyed. They were living in tents underneath the house. You have to keep in mind that these homes are built up on pollens, most of them. And so we did. We went and fed, fed them. And we've got a picture. Can we show that of, uh, of some of the devastation? Let me get out of, out of the way here. That young man's name is uh, Conley Knockin. He's a member of Live Oak Baptist that we hubbed out of that church. And I got to know Conley. I don't know who the old guy is needing a haircut, but Conley's on this side. That's Conley's house. The winds came and blew the front half off. It's an old family home. And so Conley was a big help to us. He's a part of the church, like I said. And I said, you know what? I called uh, Cam back and I said, Cam, got a situation. Let's consider adopting Conley and rebuilding this house. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to go November uh, 13th through the 19th, which is coming up. You don't have to stay the whole time. I'll be there the whole time. I'm taking one of my catering trailers with my lead chef. So the food alone is worth the trip. (laughs) But you can stay a couple days. You can stay the whole week. We'd love to have you. I think we have a team out of Georgia that's coming but that little church, the Live Oak Church, has become a hub of activity to give out supplies. And so they have just opened the front doors, filled the church up full of clorox and food and canned goods, and that whole 82 family community is coming into that church. And so we've adopted Connolly, and uh, we're going to take care of it. Thank you for your giving because it's through your giving we were able to go down there and feed him hot meals and it's through your giving that we're going to be able to rebuild this little house and let him have a place to live right now he's sleeping in the church if you come you're going to sleep in the church with us we've got air mattresses and like i said the the food is going to be stellar and we'll have a great time so consider coming and uh, and being a part of that you know galatians 6:10 says it's be good to everyone, especially those of the household of faith. And so out of these kinds of efforts, the whole community is watching us and how we're going to help Conley. That's going to bear witness along with the various people that are in that community. Well, my name is Kevin Stevens. I'm married to Lori. Lori's sitting over here on the front. She absolutely refused to come up here and talk. I met Lori in the tenth grade, and um, that was fifty-one years ago. We've been married forty-eight years. We have two kids, Judson and Courtney, thirty-five and thirty-three. During that period, we pastored together thirty years. And when you look up in the uh, <clears throat> in a dictionary, pastors' wife, there's a picture of Lori. She is is and was the perfect pastor's wife through all those years and all the moves and all of the ministry issues and so forth. And uh, got a got a couple of pictures I want to show you. Um, We've waited a long time for grandkids. We had our first one. I used to hate it when grandparents would pull out their grandchild pictures. I didn't have any, and besides, it was annoying. Well, I'm going to annoy you. Take a look at this. How about that guy right there? Now forget the old man needing a haircut, but check this out. Ball crabs. <laughs> that young man's name is Will Etienne Stevens. Etienne is French for king, and he is now king of our lives, that's for sure. But uh, I wanted to introduce you to Will, and that's Will's first crab boil. I think we have one more, do we? Oh, yes. You know what? I'm not going to preach. I've got a lot of family pictures. (laughs) I just want to share with you this morning. Plus, I've got a ton of hunting and fishing trips we want to talk about. Anyway, I think that's a great picture as well. Okay, enough of that. Let's move on. We've been at Redeemer two years, been here six catering. Jason came to me a few months ago. And he said, you know, you're the second oldest person in the church. <laughs> and I went, what? And he said, and you're the oldest Christian in the church that I know of. And I, I was flabbergasted because I never think of myself as over about 30 years old, honestly. I'm, I'm 67, but I get up in the morning at 5 o'clock and I'm ready to roll. I mean, I'm looking forward to the day. And so um, he came to me and he said, Hey, how about filling in on a Sunday preaching? Well, I had not been in the pulpit forever. And I thought, my God, I've got 47 years walking with Jesus, 30 years pastoring. How am I going to condense all of that in 35 minutes? So this is what I'm going to do. We're going to take a trip together. You need a backpack. And I want you to dress comfortable. You know, the best shirt and the best shorts that you love to wear around the house. That's what you need to wear. Put on some really comfortable shoes because this trip is going to take you a lifetime. And along the way, we're going to pick up spiritual nuggets off of the trail that Lori and I have walked for 47 years and pastored for 30. And so here we go. I'm going to give you a few instructions Be careful of the nuggets that you pick up. I'm going to try to guide you through that. I'm going to try to explain to you what's important and what's not. As a matter of fact, the first nugget you're going to pick up is the nugget that says what to pick up. Because as a Christian, sometimes we can get focused on really a peripheral issue. It might be important, but it's not the most important. In my early years as a believer and as a pastor, I would get sidetracked on doctrinal issues. Here's an example. We studied the rapture theory, pre-, mid-, and post-trib rapture. That's fine. It's good to know that. But a better nugget and a more uh, important nugget is the nugget of repentance. Which of those would you use more? Obviously, repentance. Is it good to have an idea about the rapture and when that's going to take place? Yeah, maybe so. But the first nugget we pick up is know what to pick up. And the second one is found in Psalms 92 and 15. I'll read it to you. should be on the screen. It says, to show that the Lord is upright, he is my rock. Underline the word rock. And there is no unforgiveness in him. Matthew 21 and 42 says this. Did you, ever, did you never read in the scriptures the stone which the builders rejected? The same has become the head of the corner. I'm a builder by trade. I grew up in the building business since a little kid. My dad was a builder. My uncles were builders. So I know about the concept of cornerstone. And that's exactly who Jesus is. He is the cornerstone. Now stone can be likened to or used as an anchor for life. It can be the primary starting point, which is what the cornerstone is about. It can be a shelter. It can be protection against the enemy. In Matthew 21 and 44, it says this, And whosoever shall fall on this stone shall be broken. Let me say that the nugget of the stone of Christ is a very critical nugget. Pick it up. Put it in your knapsack. You're going to need that for the rest of your Christian walk. But there's a demand that comes with it. And it says we must fall on that stone. And that's our salvation. But you notice the analogy is one of falling upon the stone. Not the stone falling on us, which it will later talk about. But it tells us when you come to Jesus, fall on that stone. Which means essentially you come undone. You become shattered internally. Well, I want to talk with you about my entrance into the kingdom at age 20 all those years ago. My dad and I were working in a construction building and it caved in. Concrete building. Three men were killed. My dad was submerged in concrete. I walked out of it with a broken finger. Two days later, taking a shower. I can remember the color of the tile of the shower to this day. I broke. And I began to just sob uncontrollably. And I said, Jesus, I'm undone. I came that close to dying. My dad is close to dying in the hospital right now. I'm undone. And you know, at that point, church, I didn't have a plan B or a plan C. Internally, I was broken. I was now falling on that rock, and I was being shattered. I didn't come to Christ as an add-on to my life. I didn't come to Him saying, Hey, let's put Jesus in the backpack. He'll be my happy Jesus. Or He'll be my prosperity Jesus. Or He'll be my healthy Jesus. I didn't come to Him that way. I came to Him under His Lordship. Broken upon the rock. And let me say the way that we come into the kingdom is the way that we stay in the kingdom. If we come in under false pretense... More than likely, we're going to have a problem down the road. It's staying in Christ and continuing the walk year in and year out. Because as you know, life will dish out difficulty. And Jesus will be the rock and the anchor and the cornerstone in our life. But I came in under those under those conditions and Lori did as well. As a matter of fact, she came into the kingdom several months ahead of me and, and uh, being... Uh, who she is, uh, she was very uh, vocal about me needing to come to Jesus. And uh, one thing about Kevin Stevens is the worst way to deal with him is to demand that he do something. It's called hard-headedness. And so I stuck in all fours. But what I was doing at night when she didn't know, I was sneaking around in the house and reading the Bible. But I didn't tell her. I was just reading the Gospels because i was I was under conviction, and so we came into the kingdom together and were involved in a Bible study and uh, it grew quickly into a church and grew quickly into a large church and we didn't know any better, so we had a great teaching pastor, and he taught us about the Book of Acts church and what the the church did in the book of Acts. And so we were just fearless at that point, and we said, well, we're going to do the same thing, and we did. We went out into the streets of Baton Rouge, midnight on Saturday nights, just invited ourselves to the gay bars, and we just walked in and sat down and had a Coke and began to love on those folks. We would, we would uh, go to Bourbon Street in New Orleans and not hold a megaphone up on a on a corner and demand that people repent. There's, there's a place for that, but it wasn't us. But we would just pull those folks aside and hug on them and love on them and share the love of Jesus. I went to churches where a particular church in New Orleans had the first two rows always open. You know who they were for? The prostitutes of the city. And so you'd be like a group like this would be beginning to worship, and here would come 12 or 15 prostitutes all decked out in their in their gear, and come and occupy the first two rows of the church and watch them weep under the conviction of the Holy Spirit and come to Jesus. Just incredible times. I saw drug addicts baptized 10 and 15 at a time that had been delivered from drugs and had come and fallen upon the rock of Christ. I I counseled with a homosexual that underwent water baptism and when he came out, he never went back to that lifestyle. He was completely changed we saw many, many miracles of changed lives because they had fallen upon that rock and they had anchored themselves in Jesus. The second point, or actually another nugget, but a main nugget that I want to talk about this morning, is this one's found in Psalms 92 and 13. And it says this, Those that be planted... In the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. Let's talk about the nugget of what the house is. It's not so much a physical place. I'm a builder by trade. I can build a house in my sleep. I know how to design them. Lori is an expert in colors. We can do the whole package together. We can make it very comfortable. We can make it a very good house. But it's not so much a physical house it's referring to here as much as it is a dwelling place. It's a place where you live and it could be a house but on a spiritual note it's where he lives with us. It's where we dwell with him and then in concert of that we dwell with others. Acts 17 and 28 says for in him we live and move And have our being. So. Here's the nugget. When we invite others. To the house. It's good to bring them here in corporate worship. I think it's a great thing to do. But primarily. What we're to do. Is to invite them. To our dwelling place. In him. And so. When I'm talking to an unbeliever. And I still pastor even though it's been years that I've retired. The guys that work for me in my catering business, I put them in the truck and we drive out in the middle of nowhere. We're two hours in the truck. They can't get away from me. The door's locked. We're in the middle of nowhere. We're doing 75 miles an hour. I got them. But I'm not pushy. I'm not one of those obnoxious Christians that are going to demand that they make a decision while we're driving on the, on the trip. But I've learned how to listen to folks. That's going to be another nugget we'll talk about in a minute. I've learned how to ask the right questions to get people to open up. And so when they do, I invite them to the dwelling place that I have with Jesus And then I invite them to come with me and live life with others. But what that requires is hospitality. You can't do this Christian walk without practicing hospitality. That's what the book of Acts did. They went house to house breaking bread. And that requires what? The house has to be opened. The front door has to swing wide open. And we have to say, come in. Now, food is a part of that. And of course, food is a big thing for us and for South Louisiana, Louisiana folks. As a matter of fact, if you come with us down to Poinashan, they pronounce it Poinashan, then you're going to find that talk, food is talked about. We were sitting around with a bunch of those old Cajun shrimpers the other day and talking about recipes. For the most part, the men cook. And the, and the women do as well, but primarily it's the men. You ladies would love living there because <laughs> food's taken care of. But we talked about sharing. So if you go with us, we're going to boil crabs and shrimp and all the church is going to come and half the community is going to be there and you're going to hear them accents like that, Shy, you're going to go, man, I don't know what they say. saying. <laughs> I was cooking in the kitchen the other day and um, the door was open and this old Cajun walks up to the door of the kitchen. He had to be in his 70's and he had on a shirt, shorts and he had on the famous white Cajun Reeboks they call them, Cajun boots <clears throat> and he said hey what, what you cooking in there? I said well I'm doing chicken fajitas he said huh? A fajita. You never heard of fajita, guys. Really? But he said, hey, he said, look at me. I said, yes, sir. He said, you see what I got? I said, what are you talking about? He said, you see what I got on here? And it was just a t-shirt, shorts, and boots. He said, hey, hey, man, he said, that's all I got? I said, what are you talking about? He said, man, that when it come... It blew the house off the pylons. He said, I have no house. It blew my clothes. It blew my shoes. It blew everything away. Tear rolling down his cheek. What an opportunity. What an opportunity. And I, I seized it. And I, I just spoke to him. And I said, look, we can't fix all of that. But we're going we're gonna to feed you a hot meal, a fajita meal tonight and gumbo tomorrow night and jambalaya the next and we're going we're gonna to do what we can to help your situation. Well, that's what hospitality is, church. You see, sometimes we think we have to have the best house, the best spread, the best china. The house has to be immaculately clean. That's an interesting thing about cleaning the house for ladies. Let me, let me share with you some of my insight. <laughs> uh, i got to be careful here. <laughs> if ladies will say, birth of our kids, ladies would, groups of friends would say to Lori, hey, we're going to come over and clean your house. Well, guess what happens? She cleans the house completely before they come. And I'm sitting there scratching my head going, why would you do that? Why would you clean the house for the rest of the ladies to come and clean the house. And she would say, I can't have them see in this house like this. <laughs> and I'm thinking you're defeating the point. You're defeating the purpose of them coming. Well, that's, I don't understand that. Maybe you ladies can explain it after the message to me about what that's about. But the point is hospitality requires that we open up our homes, that we open up our lives and, and simply Let me backtrack a minute. If you open your home up, it's going to get abused. Things are going to get broken. There may be some criticism of your home. They may be somebody will say, wow, that's pink, you know, or whatever the case may be. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You simply open up your home. Nugget number eight. I haven't kept you in uh, track of the numbers well, let me let me backtrack one more time. Nugget number six. Christianity is not an alone faith. Now, there's a culture in West Texas. There's a Cajun culture. There are different subcultures all over the nation. Let me explain to you my perception of some of that. West Texas is predominantly the Lone Ranger culture. You know, if you go back generations. It's built by ranchers that came in and fought the Indians and fought the elements. And, and by the way, everything out here has a sticker or, or something to it, Every, everything. And by the way, there's no water here in case you haven't noticed. I'm from the swamp. So when I cross a bridge, I expect to see water. There is none. I, I'm shocked. I'm like, what the heck, where are the fish living? Well, they're not, they're not here. But in Cajun culture, it's swamp, and if I took you to my camp at the mouth of the Mississippi River, there'd be gators. We got some 12-footers. We got all kind of gators there. We got snakes galore. When you're at my camp, you're watching for moccasins all the time. I mean, it's just constant water. But the Lone Ranger lives here in this culture. In the Cajun culture, a little different. In the Cajun culture, they were kicked out of Nova Scotia, sent down to South Louisiana and the East Coast, dropped off in the swamp. They had to survive by depending on and relying upon one another. So it makes fellowship in the church much easier in that culture because they understand hospitality. They understand living together. They understand taking care of one another because they had to. Well, out here, different animal. You have rough and tough, independent individuals, Marlboro man, I know that predates a lot of you, uh, guys with cowboy hats and riding off into the sunset, and they go whip all the Indians, they carve out a house out of nothing, they live in godforsaken desert, and they develop a 50,000-acre ranch with a gazillion cattle on it, all on their own. There was no help. So it's a different mindset. And so when the kingdom penetrates this culture, they think, oh, I can be an individual Christian. No, afraid not. It's not how it works. Or the deer hunters in my area will say, I'm a deer stand Christian. I'm like, you're a what? I'm a deer stand Christian. I can meet with God on the deer stand better than I can in the church. And I'm like... Nah, you're not getting the whole point here. The point is, Hebrews 10 and 25 says this, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. When we are called into the kingdom, we are called into the body of Christ. We are called into a family. And let me give some affirmation about Redeemer Church. I'm an outsider coming in. Years of pastoring. I've seen a lot of churches. I've been around a lot of leadership meetings. I've done a ton of them. I've I've seen a lot. Do I know it all? Absolutely not. Uh, I probably know less now than I did back then. But the point is, coming into Redeemer, I met, or Lori and I met Chase out at the front door one Sunday, our first time here. He's the perfect guy to have out there at the front door. What are you laughing about? You laughing at Chase? And so he was perfect. Man, he talks 90 miles an hour, you know, and he's telling us about everything and everybody and come here and meet this one and meet that one and, oh, come over here and come over here and bump, bump, bump. And it was perfect for what Lori and I and the place that we were at. So we came in, and not long after, Jason came and and did a lunch with us at our house, and we did uh, crawfish etouffee, and, of course, that won him over immediately. And uh, once I knew that he hunted and he fished, It was a done deal for me. But what I noticed about Redeemer was the level of humility that's here. You guys need to really be thankful for that. Because one of the primary downfalls of any church is ego. Hands down. Insecure leaders with ego. It can start right. It can be good for a while, but eventually that ego will manifest itself. And it will manifest itself in sin and all sorts of issues. Well, guess what? You have very little of that here in this place. And it's primarily because of the leadership team. And I've gotten to know all of them. I try to feed them as much as I can so I can get to know them. And we've done that. And it's a trickle-down effect within any church. It always is the church will be a reflection of its leadership. Well, guess what? This place is full of humility and full of considering others. And another interesting thing about Redeemer is it has somehow in the Lone uh, Ranger area created community groups that are connected together and love one another. I was astounded when we fed the kids at Munch Elementary Every Saturday for several weeks of the kind of people that would just show up out of these community groups to help, give up a Saturday to come and serve, and in most churches, there would have had to beg, pleaded, threatened that they were going to lose their salvation if they didn't come <laughs> um, on and on and on to get people to respond. But these people just jumped at the chance of serving, not only there but in other situations. Well, guess what? You got a good thing going here. Don't lose it. Don't lose it. Keep that going. And I'll close with a couple of points. Whatever you have, somebody else has less. In the realm of food, don't be intimidated by the fact that you can't cook a five-star Cajun meal. Matter of fact, if you want to learn how to do that, call me. We'll come do it together. But don't be intimidated, ladies or guys, by the fact that you don't have prime rib to invite them over with. Because there are folks that are hungry for hot dogs. All you got to do is boil them, put a little chili on them, and you got a meal. Let me encourage you. That what little you have, there's someone that has less. Hospitality says, here's my door open. Come on. Share it with me. Now, it requires time. It requires effort. (laughs) If you're serving the God of busyness, it's going to be difficult for you to do that. So I recommend that you repent of busyness so that you've got time. And just let them come in. Let them come into your life and into your home. And I'll say this. people need you more than they need a hot dog or your money or your things. Thank God that you're givers and you are. And that's great. And that needs to just continue. But more than that, people need you. They're hungry. If you're you're an unbeliever this morning here or on the live stream, what you're looking for is somebody to love you. I know that because I was looking for the same thing Before I came to Jesus, let me ask you a question. If you had a choice of receiving money or things or someone who would really listen with genuine interest to your story, do you know what people want to do? They want to tell their story. They're just looking for somebody that'll stop long enough and look them in the eye. I have a mentor named Tom McKinney that taught me how to listen. He trained me to be a listener. And Tom could look at you with retired lieutenant colonel in the Marine Corps, Bible teacher. He could look at you with those blue eyes and you thought you were the only person on the earth. He was that interested in hearing you. Today we're so involved with our electronics. God forbid if we're ever in a meeting and you're doing your electronics because I'm going to call you out on it. I'm sorry. I'm going to say, hey, just put it aside for a moment and let's talk. Let's really talk. So if you had a choice of somebody giving you money or things or they said, you know what? I'm going to really listen to you and I'm going to care for you deeply And I'm going to connect to you and I'm going to be there through thick and thin for the rest of our lives together. What would you choose? I'm taking the relationship hands down every time. You know why? Because we have need of it deep in our soul. Just like we have need of Jesus deep in our soul. We have need of one another. I need you to hear my story. I need to be able to talk about my fears, my deepest issues, my sin issues that I struggle with. I need you to hear them. That's why James says, confessing your faults one to another. And not misconstruing that into some confessional booth somewhere. But it's valid and it's right. I need to be heard. And you do too. You need those kinds of relationships. And that's what the body of Christ offers to a hurting world, to a dying society, to a culture right now that is so fragmented. Suicide rates are up. Depression rates are going through the roof because people can't find others that will listen. We need to be expert Listeners. Christians need to be the best listeners on the planet because it's then by the love that we express in that that people go, wow, I found home. I found home. I want us to stand together. This morning we're going to pray and... um, We're going to have a time where we can respond. So if you would, let's stand together this morning and let me pray with you. I believe that there's power in agreeing in prayer, not just a formality, not just uh, something you do to end the service. Hebrews says that the word of God is sharp, is a two-edged sword. It divides asunder the soul and the spirit. And so this little talk this morning, we talked about Cajun culture. We laughed a little bit. <clears throat> but there were some points that the Holy Spirit energized in your heart, and it pricked you. It does me every time I listen to Jason preach. And By the way, tremendous teacher, tremendous teacher. I've, I've been around hundreds of teachers, and he's in my top three. He paid me 20 bucks to say that. But you get touched by the Holy Spirit. You get convicted by the Holy Spirit. And so this is our opportunity to respond to the Lord and say, Yeah, Lord, that's me. He touched on this hospitality thing. I've been closed doors. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to learn how to open them. He touched on Jesus as a rock and, and uh, me being broken and falling on that rock and coming to a deep place where there is no plan B and C. I'm not trusting my money. I'm not trusting this or trusting that. I don't have anything else to trust in but Him. <clears throat> Let's pray. Father, Your Word is, is powerful. And as, as You speak it through failed, frail vessels, Lord, it's not about the vessel, but it's about You. It's always about You. It's always been about You. always will be about you and your presence and the power of the Holy Spirit to bring about your conviction, your blessing, your healing, your purposes in our lives. So we are dependent, Holy Spirit, upon you to move upon hearts this morning and to bring about change. Maybe there'll be a time that someone will look back and say, "You know what? That little that little message that that old pastor brought had a point or two that really brought about conviction Then that's what this is about this morning and so we ask Holy Spirit you have rule and reign in our midst in order to move us to the place that you desire us to be in Jesus name and we've got communion available that you can come and, and uh, receive communion on your own we've got prayer benches that if you want to pray, if, if any of this uh, touch something that, that you want to pray about and there'll be someone that'll just come behind you and, and pray with you, uh, you're welcome to do that. Thank you for listening to this message from Redeemer Church. If you want to connect with us at Redeemer, we would love for you to visit us at a service in person or visit us online at redeemermidland.org.